My name's Kyle. I'm the pastor here. If you're visiting with us today, thank you so much uh, for being here. Just to echo what Alan said, uh, uh, first of all, it's an honor to have you here. Uh, but if you have a moment at some point during the service, just grab a Connect card and that seat back in front of you and fill that out. Uh, you can take it to Miss Kay, who is sitting right back there on a bench after service, and she will give you a gift uh, just to thank you for being here. She'd be glad to do that. So anyway, are y'all excited about a new sermon series? So yes, all right. This one, I, I promise, will be a little shorter than some of the other ones we do, all right? Uh, this will be a four-week series on prayer. And so kind of to, to kick that off, and, and I think what we're going to start doing is every year, uh, we're just going to start January talking about prayer and, and just be on uh, this topic of prayer for a few weeks. And uh, for one reason is we do 21 days of prayer and fasting here, and so we're just encouraging. What that means is is we're encouraging you to think of something to fast, be it social media. I mean, say amen, right? It's a huge time waster for me. Uh, you can say maybe it's social media, maybe it's uh, television for a season, maybe it is food, maybe it's some kind of food, maybe it's caffeine. Wh- whatever it is that you think keeps you or distracts you from growing closer to the Lord, and then don't just fast that thing, but replace that with either prayer, uh, scripture reading, uh, maybe find a devotional on your Bible app on your phone, and and just take some time uh, to do something to help you grow in the Lord during that time. Amen? So we're encouraging everybody to start that. We're going to start that on Wednesday. This coming Wednesday night, we're going to have a worship night here. That means is we're going to come together, we're going to worship, we'll pray for one another, uh, but that'll just kind of be the mark. That'll be where we're saying, yes, let's start uh, this time, to get this 21 days together, and then we'll end it on February 1st, uh, the Wednesday before your Super Bowl party. So if you're fasting some kind of food, you'll still get to eat. Amen? Uh, you don't have to skip the Super Bowl party. So uh, that's not why we're ending it there, but it works, right? Uh, anyway, so that'll be the end of the 21 days then. Uh, But again, I want to start 2017 on prayer, and so specifically what we're going to do is we're going to take the next four weeks and uh, talk about it. So today what I want to examine together is what is prayer and and why should we pray? Uh, I I think that that will be key in helping us uh, become a people of prayer. Next week we'll talk more about how we pray, uh, looking at the Lord's Sermon for sure on that. Uh, when to pray or when we should pray, where uh, to pray, and, and kind of how to make those moments happen, things like that. Uh, and then weeks three and four, we're going to focus on some vision statements that we laid out last year. Uh, we're going to focus on just praying for those things. So we want to refresh our memory on those, why they're important, why, how we uh, do those things, and then we want to we be in prayer for those as well. So uh, how many of you know if you're going to start a series on prayer, you should start by praying? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this amazing time together. I thank you for your people who are gathered here, uh, just excited to be uh, in the presence of God Almighty, but also in the presence of one another. And so, Lord, we thank you for uh, your grace to help us grow in our faith, for your grace to help us to grow in our love towards one another. Lord, we pray that this time now would be edifying for our souls, edifying for our spirits. Uh, we ask that the Holy Spirit help us to learn your word, uh, but not just learn it in a way that we know it, but to learn it in a way that we live it, Father. Help us to live the things that we learn. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, 
Uh, when we think about prayer, one of the things I always ask myself or find myself asking is, why is prayer so difficult, right? And, and maybe I'm not alone in this. I, you don't have to raise your hand yet. I'll ask you to raise your hand here in a moment. But uh, have you ever thought about why is prayer so difficult? Like, why is it hard to either make time to pray or to be faithful to those times of prayer? Or maybe you're in the moment and you just find it difficult to continue praying. I, I think prayer is easily the toughest spiritual discipline for me. And so I was thinking about it. I'm like, why? Why is it so difficult? And I, I think one of the reasons is it just doesn't feel tangible, right? So like if I'm with my scripture reading, when I'm reading, I'm either doing some kind of a Bible plan or I'm working my way through chapters and books of the Bible. I'm taking notes. I'm journaling. I'm praying those things as I'm doing it. Uh, and that just feels more tangible. Amen? It's like there's something in front of me. I'm turning pages. Something's taking place. When I pray a lot of times, it's it's in here, and, and I and and it just it just feels odd at times, right? I, I'm praying, and then I'll get distracted on something, or I'll like be I'll be praying for the deacons, or I'll, I'll pray for the elders, and I'll be like, oh man, did I praying for Jasper? I'm like, oh crud, did I tell Jasper about this thing? We need to talk about this. So I'll start texting Jasper in the middle of my prayer time. It's like, what are you doing, Goober? Right? And so uh, I, I just get so easily distracted. I'll be drinking coffee. I'm like, you know what would taste good with this coffee? A good uh, breakfast bar. So let me go grab that. And there's just any little thing can distract me in prayer. It's one of the most difficult disciplines for me. And so uh, while we were, uh, some dad and Jasper and uh, Gage over here, we all went backpacking uh, like complete fools uh, just a couple of days ago. And, uh, and it began to snow very hard. It was very cold. We woke up on Friday morning. Uh, there was snow on the ground. And, and we're freezing. We can't even drink water because all our water froze overnight and our water filters are frozen. So we're melting our bottles trying to melt water uh, so that we can drink it, right, and, and cook with it and all of this. So it was just, it was crazy. Anyway, we finally get to where we're packed up and we're walking that morning and it just begins to snow really, really hard. And so as we're walking, I'm just, I, I kind of fell behind the group because I, I, I'm just lazy that way. And I, I'm thinking about, this sermon, I just begin to think about prayer. And then I begin, as I'm thinking about prayer, I just begin to think about my family. And I hadn't talked to Patricia and the kids uh, in almost 24 hours. And so that that's not good for me, right? I'm like, man, this is really difficult. I'm not used to this. Like, it's okay. I've been away from them, but not in a in sense where I can't talk to them. They're just, there was no service. So uh, anyway, it's just weird. I'm, I'm trying to work through that. I'm praying. I'm like, man, I'm just going to pray for them. So I begin praying for them. And as I'm praying, I begin to think, about how much I miss my family. As I'm thinking about how much I miss my family, I begin to think, man, I, I never, really never, ever miss talking to God. Like, it just, and I don't mean that as like a conviction statement. I didn't even really feel convicted in the moment. It's just like, man, I, I've never felt what I feel right now, not being able to talk to Patricia. I've never felt that about God before like not being able to talk to him, right? I just kind of take prayer for granted, take for granted the ability to be able to just come to God in prayer. And so, uh, again, I, I, I'm thinking through prayer, I'm walking through that, and I'm just like, why don't I ever miss God in the way that I miss Patricia right now? Miss her voice, miss speaking to her. Why don't, you know, what, what's the deal here? And so, um, is there anybody that can identify kind of, and this is where I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if prayer, you find prayer difficult. We don't have to say why, but you're just like, okay, yeah, right? It's not easy, right? And I think some of what I've touched on is probably the story for most of us. And so you may be in this, 
maybe it's like a season for you where you just go through these seasons of really strong prayer life. Maybe you go through seasons of like a weak prayer life. Maybe you go through, uh, maybe it's just always been a battle for you. You're like, man, I've never had a good prayer life. Maybe you're kind of like me right now and you're like, I'm looking for ways. I'm trying to actively search out how to overcome those things that I see. And so, as I, like I said, I've been thinking a lot about prayer. I've been getting ready for the series, for one. But just in my own life, I'm like, what is the deal here? And so what I begin to, to think is this. When I was a child, I broke both my wrists. Some of you are, remember this about me. It was, we'll go into that another day. It was awful. Uh, but what if, I, I was thinking about this, what if when I broke my wrist, and the second one was particularly bad. Uh, my, my arm was disfigured. I won't go into too many details because it's gross. But anyway, what, what if I, we had gone to the doctor, to the emergency room, and the doctor looks at it and says, all right, I'm going to give you some stuff uh, to kill the pain, and, and we'll give you a prescription for that, uh, but just go home. It'll be all right, right? And, and so my arm, which we'll go into it, it was kind of up like, like you hold your hand straight, and then there was this here, which is not so, how many of your bones not supposed to do that. And, and what if he had sent me home that way, right? He, he just treated the symptoms and not what was really taking place in my body. How, many, how much good would that do? Not any kind of good, right? So as I was thinking about prayer, I began to think, man, there's a lot of symptoms around my distractedness in prayer, my uh, not being able to be committed to prayer, to be devoted to prayers, we'll look at here in a moment. What's causing that? That's what I really want to know because a lot of times I'm just trying to treat symptoms. I'm like, let me just put my phone aside. Let me turn it on. Do not disturb. Let me leave it in my office. I'll come into the sanctuary. I'll put some music on. I, I won't drink coffee this morning. I won't have anything in front of me. I'm just going to stare at the floor, God. I'm just going to look right here. I'm going to try to stay focused and I I'll just try to treat symptoms. What I begin to realize is there's something in my heart. There's something in my heart I don't understand prayer. I don't know what prayer is really for. I don't understand uh, why we should pray. I don't think I have an accurate definition of prayer, and I think that's the driving force in me not being able to be committed to prayer. Amen? Again, I'm not going to put this on you. A lot of times the messages I come up here and preach, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. I'm trying to live these things out before I can even speak it to you. And, and this is where, these are the conversations I begin to have uh, just kind of in my own heart, and my mind, I've been digging around in there. What's off with me that I can't be committed to prayer? Amen? I think that's a good question to ask because I can blame circumstances. I can blame distractions. I can blame uh, just wayward thinking. But what's happening inside of me that's keeping me from being able to pray? Amen? And that's what I want to deal with uh, today. So I begin to just kind of search God's Word over the last few months, begin to search podcast. I'm listening to, uh, to brothers and sisters talk on prayer that I, that I just love to hear their heart for God. And I, I've read blogs. I've had conversations with some of you in here on prayer and around these things, just trying to talk them out. And, and here's what I've come to realize. I want you to write this down. Uh, you've got plenty of spots there in your worship guide. I didn't mention that to you. You can take notes. If you're visiting with us, you didn't know what that's for. That's what it's for. Uh, but there's a gap there on the backside. You can write stuff down. I want you to write this down. I'll read it a couple of times because I forgot to give it to projection back there. So uh, we don't have a prayer problem. We have a dependence problem. We don't have a prayer problem. We have a dependence problem. What I'm learning is, is that I depend on people and things to meet my needs more than I depend on God. And when I find myself depending on people or things to meet my needs, I have no reason to go to God in dependence. Amen? 
And this is where my heart struggle has kind of led me. This is what I'm seeing about my life. And, and I think that this is true for most of us when we're not praying, we find it difficult to pray, we just don't depend on God. We say we depend on God, but we don't depend on God. Amen? So here, I'll, I'll read it one more time. We don't, have a dependent, we don't have a prayer problem, we have a dependence problem. And so as we get ready to look at Colossians 4.2, I, I really just want to read it to you today and kind of introduce you to it. Uh, and then next week, we'll really dive into it and, and kind of, again, the hows on how we'll do this. But Colossians 4.2 says this, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Uh, some translations say, be devoted in prayer, uh, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Again, we're going to look at that the next couple of weeks, but I think when I read that, I'm just like, all right, let me muster up all the strength I have inside of me to be devoted to prayer, right? Like, what does it take for Kyle to be devoted to prayer? I want to do all of those things. Let me do that, right? And, and then I fall flat on my face day after day after day, and, and I, I fail at it. I'm no good at it. And so, again, what I think is I, I don't understand, I haven't understood what it is and what its purpose is, why we should do it. And so I just want to walk through that with you today. So let's define, let's define it and then look at why. Because again, I think with prayer, we have all these preconceptions on what we think it is, right? Uh, so sometimes what we think of when we think of prayer is like a child's prayer of, like, like before you go to sleep, the, the prayer you may pray with a child. Like you, you get little Johnny and you say, all right, let's uh, it's time to go to sleep. Let's put your jammies on. Let's get you in bed. Let's say our prayers. And then you're going to pray this prayer. Lord, I lay me down to sleep, right? Uh, and I pray the Lord my soul to keep, right? And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now that's scary, right? I mean, it starts out really sweet, but it's like, all right, little Johnny, let's don't forget the part about if you die before you wake, pray the Lord your soul to take, right? Don't worry about it. You're probably not going to, but let's go ahead and pray that. That's a little, it's a little scary. So if you're praying that with your kid, change the words, make it rhyme some other way, right? It's scary. But I think we think of prayers like that when we think about praying, praying sometimes. We think of these, uh, these repetitious prayers, and, and I don't think that tools like that are wrong. I, I think it's okay to recite prayers. I don't, I don't think that's wrong, especially if the heart is not doing it just out of repetition. We're doing it because we're committed to praying that thing. Uh, but again, why pray? But first of all, what is prayer? And so I, I went really old school on you today. I, I pulled up uh, the Baptist catechism definition of prayer. And this was written back in the 1600s uh, by some dudes who love the Lord way more than any of us probably do. And so I'm just joking. Don't get offended. Uh, so what is prayer? Let's just uh, read this to you. Prayer is an offering up our desires to God by the assistance of the Holy Spirit for things agreeable to his will, in the name of Christ, believing with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Amen? And so you have that in your notes. There's scripture references for each of those things. You'll see in the doers of the word section that I want you to go back through that thing this week and look at those scriptures. Really think about that. Don't let that just be something you read or had read to you on Sunday morning. Amen? Let's think about that definition and what it means. But uh, what I think you see here for sure is uh, you see these words like offering to God by assistance of the Holy Spirit through who? In the name of Jesus Christ, right? And so what I see, one thing I see very clearly is I see total dependence 
on God. Total dependence on the Trinity for everything that I need. Amen? And, and this is where I think we have a problem. This is where I think we're not dependent upon God as much. We don't think we're dependent upon God as much as we actually are dependent upon God. Amen? And, and so uh, Paul Miller in his book, A Praying Life, he wrote this. He said, prayer is my soul crying out to God then waiting on Him to act. I love that. Prayer is my soul crying out to God then waiting on Him to act. And, and he gets that from Isaiah uh, 64.4, which says this. I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. Uh, from of old, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No one has seen a God besides you. And this is the characteristic that he says of God, who acts for those who wait for him. And, and so what Paul Miller is expressing is that this is the heart of prayer, is that we lay out everything before God. It's my soul crying out to God, and then I'm trusting God to be the one who will act on my behalf. Amen? And I'm going to wait on him to do just that. It's total dependence on God. And, and so I, I, let's look at now why pray. I think we've defined prayer okay. But now we're getting into this dependence thing, which is going to really take us into the heart of why we should pray. Um, first of all, when we think about why should we pray, uh, the number one thing is as Christians, you and I should obey God's commands, yes or no? Yes, right? <laughs> Not real convinced. Let's try again. You and I as Christians should obey God's commands. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, does God command us to pray? Yes or no? Yes. yes. Amen? And so this is one of the most convicting things is if God's commanding me to pray, I'm not praying, then I'm disobeying God's command. And so again, this is not, uh, this is not a legalism thing. I think again, we don't pray because we look at it, we just don't we see it more as a legalism thing. We don't understand that it's a total dependence thing. I'm expressing my total dependence on God. This is why God commands us to pray. God doesn't command us to pray because uh, he, he just wants to hear your voice all the time. He doesn't command you to pray because he, he, he thinks that that's... It. Let me think of how I want to work this. He doesn't command us to pray just so that you'll be uh, filling the world with a bunch of hot air. Amen? There's a reason behind why he wants you to pray. There's a reason behind it. And before we even get to that, I think that it is absolutely amazing that the God who created the universe, the God who breathed life into the nostrils of mankind in the very beginning as he formed him from the dust of the ground and then took that man and created a woman from, the, from a, a rib, right? of that man, then also created the whole universe. Everything that we see and do today is a gift from God. And that God wants us to talk to him. He desires for you to make your request known to him. That's incredible. Amen? That, that's impressive. Not because you're impressive or I am impressive. That's impressive because God loves you so much that he wants to hear you. He wants to not just hear you, he wants to be involved in your life. He wants to, you to make your request known to him. Amen? And pray, God, this is what I need. This is me expressing my total dependence on you. Now help me live according to your will. And I think 
another neat thing about this is not only that he desires for us to ask him because, uh, but he desires for us to ask him because he knows that he's the ultimate giver. So anytime we're running to something else, we're depending on something else, he knows that that doesn't fully meet the needs we have. Amen? And so anytime I'm looking to Patricia to fulfill my need for companionship in areas that only God is supposed to fulfill, God looks at me and he says, man, you're doing it wrong, right? You're running to your wife, you're expecting things of Patricia that she'll never be able to fulfill. That's not, why she's, that's not the way she's wired. Those are things that only God should fulfill in us. And so it's the same with anything else we're running to, be it money, be it jobs, be it careers, be it uh, other relationships, be it friendships, whatever it is you're running to, God says those are just simply good gifts. Those are glimpses of heaven to come. But ultimate, the, the ultimate giver of life is me. He's saying that's what you should be totally dependent upon. And what we don't realize is whether we want to admit it or not, we're totally dependent upon God, always. And so God's saying, come to me. And I think that's neat. I heard John Piper introduce this idea, uh, and I'll just paraphrase, but he, he, he went into this idea that prayer isn't some small or incidental thing. Now, what he says is it's the very heart of why God created the universe. And I just love the bigness of that, but, but I think here's what he means is that man is created to display God's glory, yes or no? Yes, all right? We're created in the Imago Dei, which means we're created in His likeness to display His glory. What that means is you're created to reflect His glory, amen? We best reflect God's glory. He's going to display His glory through us when we're dependent upon Him in prayer. And so when we come to God and say, God, I don't know how to live my life today. I, I don't know what I'll face today. I don't know what's going to happen in this meeting today. I don't know what's going to happen in my family today. But I know that you do. And I know that your word says your grace is sufficient for today. And so, God, what I want to do is I want to start my day out today by saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. I trust you. And I'm admitting my need for you. I'm admitting my dependence on you for today, whatever it may bring. Amen? What a much better way and less arrogant way to start your day than to just start our day going into everything and doing everything that we do without ever saying, God, I'm totally dependent upon you. Whether this fails or whether it flourishes, I'm still dependent upon you. It's totally up to you. I need you today. The second thing we see with prayer, and I think one of the reasons we should pray, not only does God command it, that's first and foremost. The second thing is we are God's children. One of the things that Jesus came to do was not, it wasn't just to teach, it wasn't just to express the things and issue a bunch of commands that we should follow. He also modeled how to be a child of God, amen? Like better than anybody, <laughs> He's modeling for us what it means to be children of God. And so if you're a believer in here today, you say, I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I've repented of my sins. He's brought me from death to life. He's my Savior. Then what you're saying is, I'm a child of God. But I think sometimes we interpret child of God to mean that somehow I'm now a king or a queen or I'm a prince or I'm a princess. 
And, and really the heart of being a children is that I'm desperately in need of my father's provision, right? So if you've got kids or if you've been around kids, kids are desperately in need of their parents' provision in their life. I've got a six-month-old right now who can't even, she, she can't walk. I, I mean, we, we take care of kids in such a way that, I mean, kids are, they're, they're not worthless, right? But they don't contribute to the household, right? I, I mean, if, if it really mattered, they're not contributing anything uh, to the house. So Winnie's not getting a job anytime soon. She's six months old, right? Bear's a year and a half. I mean, he, he just walks around growling at you. We named him Bear. We should have known that was going to happen. He walk, you, you ask him to do something, he goes, like that. I mean, just all the time. It's hilarious. Wells is four. I mean, he, he'll argue with you like a lawyer, but he's not getting a job anytime soon. Right? I mean, they're not contributing. They're not helping pay bills. They're just there to eat and sleep and spend all my money, right? And I love them for it. And what I see about my children is that they're desperately in need of my provision. And it drives me to do everything that I do to be able to provide for them. Amen? And the same for Patricia. She's not desperately in need of my provision, but it's an honor to be able to provide. Amen? And so what we see is that the heart of a child is this idea of being children who are desperately dependent upon their father. And this is where we fail in prayer. I think this is where we fail as Christians altogether. Again, not legalism, but just thinking through our lives and our hearts. We go through our day so often without ever even thinking about God. And we don't realize that we're just children desperately dependent upon a father. I love what Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 19. He says this. He says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. And here's where I want you to really pay attention. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Jesus has a real big codependency issue going on here, right? I mean, if he walks into a, um, to a psychiatrist and starts talking about, and, and they ask him, you know, what'd you do today, Jesus? Well, I did whatever my father asked me to do. Well, let's... Let's get away from that for a little bit. Jesus, what, what did you like about this? Well, I only did that because my father was asking me to do that. I only like these things because my father is teaching me to like those things. Instructing Jesus did nothing of his own accord. He, he did only what the father instructed. Amen? And this is the beauty of the relationship between Christ and the father. Is even when Jesus is praying in the garden before his death, he's saying, if there's another way... Show me. Please, God, take this cup from me. But if there's not, if this is your will, I'll do it. How many times do we come before God, or maybe not even at all? We're not even asking God if this is your will. We're not even asking God to take this cup from us, or if it's your will, we'll, we'll keep it. We're not, we're, we're not even dependent upon God. And Jesus, who was God, 100% God, 100% human, is fully dependent upon the Father, modeling for us what it looks like to be a child desperately dependent upon the Father. And, and this is where we should take our cue from. It is, this is the idea of prayer. It's a return to the normal state of humanity. So the normal state, the God-intended state of humanity is that we would be desperately dependent upon the Father. And when sin entered the world, what happens is, is we all thought now 
that we can be little gods. And by God's grace, he kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden so they couldn't eat of the tree of life because then they would be little gods who could live forever. Amen? And so by his grace, he's like, no, you need to go and be able to die. (laughs) It's not good for you to live this way forever. You need to be desperately dependent upon me. Amen? And so this is a return. Prayer is us returning to this normal state of humanity because we're not meant to be individuals living life on our own and doing whatever we want to do. We're meant to be in childlike fellowship with God Almighty. And so this is part of what happens at salvation. And we see this in Galatians chapter uh, 4, verses 4 through 7. It's pretty incredible. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Amen. And then verse 6 says this, And because you are sons... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. And so what we see there in Galatians 4 is that the gift of the Holy Spirit, and and this is something that Paul, Paul Miller talks about in his book. He says the gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift of Jesus's childlike heart into our hearts, that we would go from wanting to be little gods and running our own lives to being children who were desperately dependent upon the Father in a childlike relationship with our Lord. Amen? Just like Jesus crying, Abba, Father. And so Jesus illustrates this in Matthew chapter 7. You don't have to turn there, but he's instructing on asking. He says, ask and seek and knock right? Until the answer comes. And, and what, what, he, what does he go on to say? He says, who here being humans, human fathers, man, man fathers, you know, fleshly fathers, who here, if your child came to you asking for bread, would give them a rock? Nobody, right? And he says, how much more does your heavenly father give good gifts? And I love the idea that's being presented here. He's presenting the idea again of us being childlike, that we would come to the Father in a desperately dependent way, saying, Lord, I need you. I need bread today. I need your word to sustain me today. And what you're doing is you're going to the only well that exists that can give eternal life. Amen? You're going to the only place that exists that gives bread in which you will never hunger again, that gives water in which you will never thirst again. Amen? And this is what we're saying is, God, I want that. I I need you. I'm desperately dependent on you. And so if we're God's children, then we should depend on him like children. I believe that prayer is the arena for our dependence to display itself. Prayer is the place where we come before God and we say, God, I'm dependent upon you. Here's what your word says. Here's what I need in my life. Here's the things that I'm going through. God, you know these things, but I want to pour them out before you. And I want to ask that you would move my life forward according to your will. Help me to walk according to your plan. Where I lack wisdom in this decision that I'm facing, whatever it may be, give me wisdom, Father. Where my health is waning and I I need strength, give me strength, Lord. 
Heal me, Father. Whatever these things are, we're desperately dependent. The problem is, the problem is that I see in my life is I don't get desperately dependent until I have to get desperately dependent. You know what I mean? It's so easy to go a week. It's so easy to go days or, or more without praying about something specific until it's like, oh my goodness, I need an answer now. And, and all those days leading up to that, all those weeks leading up to that, God's saying, come, tell me the things. Lay them at my feet. I want to know. I want to provide for you. I want to answer these things for you. And all the while I'm saying, God, I got this. And I'm not really saying that, but I'm saying that because I'm, I'm not coming to him. In my arrogance, I think I can do it on my own. And I'm not desperately dependent until I have to be desperately dependent. A lot of times when we think about mature prayer, if I were to ask you, what do you think mature prayer is? Like if, you, if you think of a, a lot of us are going to get a picture in our minds of a, a mature brother or sister in the Lord. We hear them pray. We hear the way they pray, the words they use. So we begin to, we begin to just kind of put marks of mature prayer. Like we're going to put them on paper. We're going to be like, well, it's lofty words, right? It's using words that I, I can't even spell. I got to learn how to use those words correctly. I need to, you know, go back to my King James English and start praying that way. Or we're going to begin to think about things like uh, these deep theological truths that people are praying. It's like, man, I, I really can't have a good prayer life or mature prayer life until I understand these deep theological truths. So why even bother? Uh, a lot of times we think about maybe it's length, right? Like you hear stories all the time. You just get so angry. Uh, growing up, I'd hear Preachers tell stories about uh, people who would pray beside their bed from like 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. And I'm like, no, I'm not even getting, I don't even know what 4 a.m. looks like, right? Unless I'm going duck hunting. So I, I'm, I'm just not interested in waking up at 4 a.m., right? And, and the thing is, I begin to think, man, that's what mature prayer is. I'll, I'll never be a mature prayer, uh, mature prayer. I'll never be a quote-unquote prayer warrior. You see what I'm saying? We begin to think, man, it's length. It has to be length. And then we'll get into this, like, well, maybe it's frequency. Like, you hear people say, man, I pray three times a day, on the hour, for an hour, every time. Don't miss. Like, man, that's awesome, right? It's amazing. You're a mature prayer. I want to be like you, brother, when I grow up, right? I mean, these are the kind of things I think of. When I, when I started thinking about what does a mature prayer look like, this is what I'm thinking of. And, and I think the mark of a mature prayer, someone who is mature in their prayer life, I think the true mark is desperation. It's an understanding that I can do nothing apart from my God. Amen? Just like the Son says, I do nothing of my own accord, only what the Father wills, only what the Father asks. And I think that's the mark of a mature prayer. Someone who's going to be mature in their prayer life is they're going to be desperate. So if we're to become, if we are to become a people of prayer, I think we must be a people who are desperate. Desperate for God in every area of our lives. And where we're not desperate for God, we have a heart issue. We have a pride issue. We have an arrogance issue. We think that we have it figured out if we're not desperate for God in a certain area of our life. And we just need to be okay with admitting that. Doesn't make you awful. You're no different than me. You're no different than the person sitting next to you. We all at some point, maybe even now, and will again in the future, think that we don't need God in some area of our life. 
That's just the nature of living in this fallen flesh. It's not reason to hang our head low. It's not reason to feel guilt or condemnation. Romans tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not reason for any of that. All it is simply is like a diagnostic uh, alert that pops up on your vehicle. You're driving down the road, the alert pops up saying you need gas. Okay, I can go 30 more miles, right? (laughs) Got you, right? What you're doing is, is you see these things in your life, it's like the diagnostic on your car, and you're like, man, I need to fix that. I need to take care of that. It's the Holy Spirit, I think, sweetly, gently, sometimes not so gently, nudging you in the direction of sanctification. And He's wanting to help you stumble forward. Isn't that what life is, mostly even as Christians? We're just stumbling forward, praying, God, sanctify me day by day. Draw me from one degree of glory to the next, but help me, help me. It's a matter of desperation. And so whether I'm struggling with doubt, struggling with depression, struggling with anger, lust, decisions, maybe my marriage is on the rocks, whatever need we have, the idea now is this, that we bring it before the Lord in prayer and we wait on Him to act. And we don't stop praying about it until He acts. I'm not talking about duration, like, you know, you spend hours praying. I'm saying keep making that request. Keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. Amen? Until you know, because God's going to reveal His will. He'll, he'll either reveal it with a no, or He'll reveal it with a yes, but He's going to reveal His will. And, and then your heart begins to change, and you begin to know how to pray according to God's will. And this is where another area of sanctification begins to have in our life. We begin to grow as Christians. It's God's helping us grow in those things. And if you don't pray, you're just like, Kyle, I just don't pray. Then you have to start somewhere. But I hope that definition of mature prayer helps you. I hope you see that mature prayer doesn't mean lofty words or length or deep theological truths or any of those things. It's just desperate prayer. That's mature prayer. And so start with five minutes each day this week in the morning, as soon as your feet hit the floor. Don't grab your phone first. Don't look at Facebook first. Maybe you need to fast Facebook for the next 21 days. Whatever it takes, start your morning with, God, I don't know what today holds. I need you. You do. I'm trusting you. Amen? And start that way because what you're saying is, God, I can't do life on my own, nor do I want to. I need you as my father to lead me. I am your son. I am your daughter. I'm coming to you as a needy child. Amen? Amen. I think the Christian life is interesting. This is the last thing I want to say. Because we depend on God for salvation, yes or no? Amen? We, we come before God and we, we, we make our plea, God, save me. I'm placing my faith in you. We're totally dependent upon him. Like you and I cannot save ourselves. We, we agree on this, right? Amen? We need Jesus to save us. We need God to save us. And so we're dependent there. 
And then because we're dependent there, what we're also saying is, God, I'm dependent upon you to get into heaven, right? How many of you can get into heaven on your own now? None of us, right? We're totally dependent upon God. So what in the world happens between new life and that ultimate glorification in heaven that causes us to think, somehow now I have to perform Somehow now I have to make up the difference. Somehow now I need to be less dependent on God and more dependent on myself. What happens? Have you ever thought about that? I don't really have the answer. I'm just asking. Like I want you guys to ponder that. What is it in my life that keeps me from being dependent on God? I'm so dependent at salvation. I'm so dependent at ultimate glorification, praying God, get me from point A to point B, please. Whatever it takes, Lord. And, and then in the middle, I'm like, but I got this part taken care of. You just sit back and watch God. The master is at work, right? I mean, that's, that's the kind of arrogance we're displaying. And so I'm saying, let's reconsider not just our prayer life, but our life. Do you live like a dependent child? Do you trust God for everything? And where you're not or where things are interfering, are you actively trying to squelch that thing in your life? Amen. Just stand to your feet this morning.